The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents No Neutrality, where we have a roundtable of contributors pushing the antithesis in every area of life. From family to government, apologetics to homeschooling, being a wife and a mother, a husband, a father, single, widow, business owner or employee, you will hear commentary, essays, lectures, blogs and battle plans on how to bring forth the Christian worldview to all of life. Okay. Sorry about that. When I went live, I discovered that there's a little button to push that says um, different ways of going live, like I could give myself a mask and things like that. I'm going to be changing things slightly. Um, I am going to be cutting down drastically the time it takes for each of these to be done. So this, I'm going to be staying under about 1,400 words from here on out um, because I want to stay focused on some things that are, I think, difficult for many people who have been raised in the church to understand. But I think very simple for anybody who was raised outside the church and converted later in life to grasp. <clears throat> What I'm outlining is the book called When Children Walk the Earth, and I've given long versions of what I'm going to be talking about now. And now I'm just breaking it down to bite-sized chunks. This is an overview of, of where it's going. Children are incompetent and need authoritarian supervision to provide and protect for them. Governments use that parent-child analogy throughout history to explain the authoritarian supervision of elite father leaders over childlike people. I'm not here to object to that analogy. I think that is a very correct analogy uh, to use for government after the fall. This analogy of true, however, means that it's a self-confession that civilization is the story of children walking the earth guided by father rulers or father priests. Authoritarian leadership, as the world has known it, is always winter, never Christmas. The child citizen, the child church member, the child wife. These can never grow up because a morally and spiritually mature person governed by God's law from the heart has no need of traditional old covenant authoritarian intrusion by mere men. God's design from the beginning is the opposite of authoritarian government. We were designed in the image of God to govern ourselves as male or female, both commissioned to take dominion over the world not dominion over each other, making it an inexhaustible, that is the world, an inexhaustible, sustainable, fruitful, wonderful place. Mature ethics and judgment are required to stay free and to take dominion. The failure of our first parents to secure that moral and judicial foundation meant that for history to continue at all, God would permit authoritarian governors to control and provide for a population now hopelessly, ethically. Authoritarian government and God's design for humanity are two masters. Both cannot be served. We cannot, <clears throat> pagans, modernists, and Christians today see no alternative to authoritarian government. The only question they ask or they argue over is how big or how small the government should be and what should be legal and illegal. 
They cite the Bible as ordaining, as ordaining that authoritarian government of kings, priests, and elders who have priestly powers, and I'll be discussing that in the coming weeks. So why does so much of the Bible, then, affirm authoritarian government if it is not how God designed us to govern ourselves? That's because our created order of self-governed freedom is not possible to the old covenant heart and much of the Bible is working realistically with untransformed hearts, hearts of stone, they're called, for whom authoritarian control is appropriate. <clears throat> and it's what Jesus called the Gentiles rule, how the Gentiles rule. And he said, don't do it that way. Before Jesus Christ came, all government reflected the authoritarian pattern of marriage. Stated in Genesis 3, he shall rule over her and her desire shall be for him. Likewise, the king shall rule over the people, yet their desire shall be for him. They're going to want to have someone else telling them how to make it work. Before Christ came, all government reflected the authoritarian pattern of marriage. He shall rule over her, and her desire shall be for him. Likewise, the king shall rule over the people, yet their desire shall be for him. And that's the result of hearts of stone, incapable of free self-government, because they rejected God's law to govern them when they rejected the proper approach to the tree of, of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. It's the curse of rejecting biblical ethics and those ethics which flow from a personal relationship to, to the living God. They're not just a set of rules out there. For history to continue at all then, <clears throat> God ordained that we must endure authoritarian rule, but from the beginning it was not so, and God has made provision to change it. In fact, he's promised to. Moses, Samuel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, these, these men envision the finished work of Jesus Christ to create a people governed from the heart by God's law and spirit, a people governed by their actual design likeness to God, what today we might even call a source code, and by God dwelling in them. The socialist, the priest, the feminist, the patriarch, and the covenantal complementarian cling to that hopeless, futureless model based on their assumption that an enforcer must be in charge. Someone must set and enforce policy or there will be chaos. They argue over which policy, but it really doesn't matter. Any policy is better than chaos. The chaos, of course, being anarchy uh, of people governing themselves. If God's plan <clears throat> was that we remain children, they would be entirely correct and so they confess their belief if they don't believe they confess their belief that christ has no answer to their childish condition in history he can save their soul inside their heart he can take them off to heaven he can wait for history to end and then maybe set up some kind of a government where he comes back or he can mean what he said when he said it's good that i am going greater things than these will you do because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Stay in Jerusalem until he comes. For the modern Christian, for the pagan, excuse me, for the modern Christian, they believe there is no perfect enforcer but Christ. Therefore, there could be no historical changing of this authoritarian model 
because Christ is gone. And Christ can't change his people in a way that would seriously transform the hopelessly sinking world. The only way he can do it is, be, is to come back and to rule like a dictator. Jesus only changes things, in other words, if I could just jump to the bottom of what they're assuming, Jesus only changes things that have nothing to do with history. The Bible's vision, however, is completely different. Through God's grace, the gospel, the indwelling Holy Spirit who writes God's law in our hearts, through these, Jesus Christ restores the original foundation to fulfill his plan for the world. Yet pastors and theologians still run to the stony, hopeless shadows to find central authorities to give our, our childlike lives meaning and purpose, as if Jesus, the true adult, the true human, the true person, never walked the earth. They assure us that even hearts of flesh indwelt by God cannot bring forth mature human beings in the image and fullness of Christ, as was promised to the Ephesians, able to rule their own lives. They assure us there will always be an authoritarian winter in history, never Christmas. But, but don't worry, Jesus is coming someday. Don't worry, you'll be dead and go to heaven someday. Always winter, never Christmas. Theologian and pagan alike forever dwell in the stony, heartless shadows as if Christmas never happened, as if only external force can make any sort of provision and protection possible. Obama may have said, you didn't make that, but they build on their father Obama's statement and declare, you could never have built that, you could, and you never will build that. Theologians assure us that if God did live a fully human life, it was not to show that hearts directed by God's law are possible. They assure us that if Christ did die and return from the dead, it was not to transform our stone of hearts to flesh in a way that might affect anything more than your personal internal history, thus affirming Buddha as the 13th apostle, if I may be sarcastic for a moment. Theologians assure us that even if God did write his source code, his law on these living hearts, like Ezekiel and Jeremiah said he would when he comes, and the book of Hebrews said he did when he came. No, 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 our, our pastors assure us that whatever that means about having hearts of flesh with the Holy Spirit inside, it would not change our need for authoritarian controllers in our marriages, in our churches, and in our state, in our governments. These theologians and pastors alike assure us that Moses prayed to God in vain when he pled, would that all God's people were prophets, would that he put his spirit on all of them. But they are wrong. God's word is always right. The law was never intended to be an external motivator applied by force. It can be used that way. But that was not why it was given by God. It was not why he created the world to fit his law. It was given by God even from Sinai to each individual heart. You, singular, shall have no other gods before me. You, singular, shall not murder, and so forth. Even though their hearts at that time were as incapable of transformation as the stone tablets God wrote his law on, he still spoke it to their hearts. The law is what God, dwelling in you, uses to direct your garden-designed purpose, that internal guide to free, self-controlled, self-governed provision for yourself and for the weak among you until they could mature to self-protecting, self-providing adults themselves. This isn't utopia. It's what the Christian religion is all about. Or, if it's not about that, it's a hoax 
just like Marx said it was, nothing but an internal crutch for Buddhists. The reason you have never seen it put this way or done this way is because the leaders and followers alike in the church simply do not believe what Jesus commands is actually possible. Jesus said, do not rule like the Gentiles who seek out the greatest. Rule instead like the Son of Man who is a servant. He wasn't talking about their hearts. He was talking about the structure of the power they use in the world, the same power Jesus used, calling upon his Father to do something, not calling upon an organization and sending his disciples out to be sure that the right people cast out demons and the wrong people weren't doing that or something like that. You never saw Jesus acting that way. This act of God transforming his people doesn't eliminate external governments, though people will say that what I have just said makes external governments, I don't know, irrelevant. I haven't said that at all. What it does is it makes external governments, family, church, state, possible to govern without coercive force. In Jesus' vision of leadership and government, service based on truth is what validates the authority of a leader. It's obedient service that exemplifies one who knows what is right, speaks it in sound judgment, and leads in doing it. That's a person you follow. No further than they're continuing in that truth and in truthful behavior. Such a person disciples nations. So you want to get all theological about it? It's the incarnation. The law word that God wrote on a stone tablet becomes flesh and dwells among us. Jesus Christ demonstrates the possibility of the transformed life. His atoning cross. The cross of Jesus Christ defines service, taking on himself everything about you that is wrong, that deserves failure, and furthermore deserves the punishment of God. But it goes further than that. In the cross, he doesn't just make you right. He literally transforms your heart from stone to flesh. That's the way the Bible describes it. Pentecost, that's the day God shattered history in an act as remarkable as his becoming fully human. He takes up residence in his people without absorbing their personal identity into his. Again, he's not a Buddhist. He is a person who writes his law on your now truly human heart so that you can become an adult in his world. Adults who transform the earth into a truly imaginative, and yet purposeful, wonderful place. A world that is going somewhere. A life, your personal life that is going somewhere. Not static, not winding down, not confined your tiny little heart so you feel better about things, knowing that God will, God's going to win somehow. <clears throat> not a world that is frail and frayed and old and flammable. Again, Jesus is not a Buddhist. He's a real guy. He's a real God. He's a real man. He's going to really transform the earth through you, his real people. No longer will children walk the earth. They will instead grow up into men and women governed by God's law from their heart. The scripture is so radical in this matter that it is worth asking, what do the organizations we think of as marriage and family, church and state look like when they're populated by ethical, judicial, mature adults? And that's what I'll be looking at in the uh, future uh, times that I come on Facebook Live, for those of you who are interested. And now, by the way, I had no food for you today. I uh, ate it all. It was, um, it was very good. But I'm afraid I had to keep body and soul together. I guess I'm kind of like the, uh, the drunks there 
in, in Corinth who got to, to church early and there's nobody there, so they figured they'd test the wine. Well, I didn't have any wine today, just I ate all the food before you got here. Sorry about that. You all have a great, blessed Sunday. Thank you for listening to this episode of No Neutrality on the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network. Don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to download your favorite audiobooks and podcasts. And if you are a Christian Reconstructionist blogger and you'd like to contribute your blogs into this audio blog format, click on the volunteer link on our website, send us an email, and let us know you'd like to join the team. May Christ be glorified and His kingdom extended from sea to sea and from the rivers to the ends of the earth. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.